If we don't accept the fact that, that they are in those rooms and waiting for us, then uh, we are telling people that not to place their hope in us. We are telling people that our organizations are false sense of security. And I think with that, we absolutely destroy the social contract we've made with our society as being protectors. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Federal Resources Studio. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Do you remember the Tot Finder stickers? For many years, families would put them on the windows of children's rooms, so in case of a fire, rescuers would know they should search that room. They've mostly fallen out of favor, partly for fear that they would alert criminals to the location of potential abduction victims. But there's another reason. One fire department explains it this way. Quote, We at Easton Fire Department prefer to teach a proactive, quick response to fires. The use of these decals could provide a false sense of security for your family. Children may feel that by having this decal on their window, It will be okay to stay and wait for the fire department, and this isn't the message we're trying to teach them. They need to learn the importance of getting out of the house as quickly as possible and staying out, end quote. The problem, today's guest says, is that we're now counting on victims to do that, to rescue themselves, and that may not be realistic. Shouldn't they rightfully expect firefighters to rescue them? Here to discuss that is Brian Brush. Brian's been in the fire service since 1996, and he's currently a firefighter for the city of Edmond, Oklahoma. He's been a classroom instructor at FDIC and is in the EFO program. And Brian Brush, welcome to Code 3. Thank you, Scott. I'm happy to be on and and discuss this, this topic with you today and really appreciate all the uh, podcasts that you have provided to date. Well, thank you. Are we putting too much emphasis on asking people to avoid being a victim? It's a fine line to walk. And uh, I think we, we certainly want people to take responsibility for their own survivability. But at the same time, uh, we as firefighters are the protectors and not the protected. And we have to own our mission. I think the uh, biggest thing here comes down to the, the shift in that message for people. Years ago, you know, in, in that time where the Tot Finder stickers were, were removed, the fire prevention message was uh, exit drills in the home. Now the fire prevention message, uh, it's not a fire prevention message, but it's a, a survivability message is to close your doors before you go to bed at night. If you encounter smoke, to, uh, to not travel those paths of egress and to compartmentalize yourself. And we need to make sure that that message going out to our community 
is also matching the mission that we're telling our, our, our firefighters. A while back, we did a different podcast on the idea that there are a lot of people who aren't afraid of fire as a real threat. I'm curious if that might be the case here. If I close the bedroom door, it's fine. I can stay there pretty much forever until the fire department arrives. You know, I, I, I think we are telling them to isolate themselves, and it certainly will buy them time. And I think that that's uh, more the key message, not necessarily the, the complacency of it. I mean, uh, we certainly know that com- complacency in, the, in fire safety is an issue, not just in our civilian population, but in our, our firefighters population. You know, you look statistically and, and the frequency of fires has dropped significantly, but there's, there's two angles to the risk. There's the frequency and the severity. And the severity is, is, is still very much unchanged. The civilian fire fatalities per thousand fires has essentially remained. Fires are, are growing at faster rates. They're producing more toxic gases. So um, by compartmentalizing um, both our firefighters and our civilians, we're taking advantage of, of stopping those flow paths, of, of delaying those toxic gases. So the, the message is trying to provide the civilians such a, a simple tool for their protection. If it was complacency, we, you know, the doors would still be open. But if they are taking hold of this simple tool of, of closing a door and compartmentalizing themselves, then you know, I think that's a, it's, a, it's a great way to potentially have an impact on reducing the severity of, of fire fatalities in America. Definitely more so than changing out smoke detector batteries or any of those more active measures. I think it strikes a chord with people to just that something as simple as closing my child's door at night will give them a better chance at survival. It's, it's one of the things I pass on to people the most. But how dangerous is it ultimately to have these fire safety campaigns that don't simply say, get out? Well, I mean, I think in, in a lot of ways, we're looking at the statistics. And if you dig into civilian fire fatalities, the majority of, of civilian fire fatalities and the location of victims uh, is in the paths of egress. It's in it's in the hallways. It's it's at the front doors. So um, the highest number of civilian fatalities is in trying to escape fires. The second highest location is in the bedrooms. So you know we want to encourage people to try to get out of fires, but we have to recognize the fact that the fires are are certainly uh, growing at a faster rate. We use the term flow path all the time in firefighting. That is happening in these houses with open spaces. So we have to have a plan B for the people when their escape routes are blocked. And that is to compartmentalize themselves in a room. So I, I know we want people to escape, but if escaping a fire uh, with the growth rates that we're seeing is putting them in, in a, 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 probably the greatest risk, then maybe compartmentalizing themselves is a, is a better option. The, you look at the second highest uh, location for uh, fatality victims, and it's in bedrooms. Um, what isn't quantified in that is, are they closed doors or open doors? My guess is that the majority of those are open bedroom doors. So uh, a closed door campaign, a, uh, a isolate yourself if you can't ex- escape. Um, I'm hopeful that, that this single action uh, will provide people a plan B if they can't get out and make them safer when they are asleep and the smoke detectors aren't activating. So... I think there's a great potential for five years from now us to evaluate the success of this type of message.
Based on your experience, and I know you don't have stats on this, what do you think a, your average civilian's reaction to a house fire is? What What do you think they, based on what they've been taught to do, they will do? You know, I think people are very much afraid of, of fire. I think we have a, because of the world of video and, and recording, you, you need not look far to see how the public is reacting to fire. And, you know, you spoke about the complacency of fire. Uh, it's, it's not something that they experience every day. So if anything, we're seeing people respond with a greater level of panic. Uh, it seems like we're seeing a lot of apartment fires where people are jumping from balconies, um, whether that's a, a sense of panic and, and insecurity or it's because of the, the speed of progression of fire. I've seen a lot of that video myself, and it strikes me that we seem to be seeing more people panicking and doing that when it's not really necessary. Maybe they're in a room with a closed door, or maybe the fire is elsewhere in the structure, but they seem to be getting out to the window screaming for help and then jumping whether or not they really need to. Is that your experience? You, you know, I, I, I don't have personal experience with the matter, but I mean, I, I would agree that we are, we're seeing it more, whether or not us seeing it more and it occurring more is, is, is really a tough thing to say. You know, we, we have more video than we've ever had before and we don't document in infers reports, rescues or jumpers or anything like that. So there's no way for us to really know if people are acting with a greater sense of panic than they have before, or if we're just able to observe it more. But I will say, you know, it, it, it happens on the fire ground as well. As, as the frequency of these events declines, it's going to be a less comfortable situation for both our victims and our firefighters. So uh, we have to, you know, operate with that sense of urgency rather than that, that sense of panic, both on the civilian side and on the firefighter side. If we can teach people that if they compartmentalize themselves, they put barriers between themselves and the fire, that they can regain their composure and start to think, you know, calmly again and, and work through that survival process. We can also teach that to our firefighters. Uh, you know, the message going out to the civilians is to compartmentalize yourself for safety. The message going out to our firefighters should be to cool and compartmentalize because we have the ability to compartmentalize fire and also to cool it with hand lines. So I think there's a, a, a great potential for us to kind of come to center with our message to the public and our message to our firefighters in training and uh, in all the fire dynamic information that's out there and really be productive and also, you know, utilize data collection to, to see if we're having an impact on that severity of event side. I'll be back with more right after this. Federal Resources is a mission-critical solutions provider with only one goal, to empower and prepare the first responder for any threat, at home or abroad, that they are called on to respond to. Your mission is to protect and defend. Our mission is to make sure you're equipped with the knowledge and training on response techniques to current threats. We'll make sure you know the latest innovations in technology to ensure mission success every time. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. Do you think we've taught people to wait for the fire department to come save them? I guess here's my take on that. And, and it's kind of interesting because you, uh, in the introduction, you, you, you provided a, 
a uh, statement from a fire department that says, we don't want our civilians to have a false sense of security. Man, I think that's extremely damaging. You know, I, I want to be the sense of security for my community as a firefighter. I want to be the sense of security for my community as a, as a fire department, if I'm speaking for my organization. The simple fact is that people should try to make an attempt to get out. But if they can't get out, I would hate for them to stay in a hallway and not understand that their, their next option is to get behind a whole closed door and be protected. Let's be honest, uh, in any situation that someone's calling 911, we are their, their last hope. You know, we, we certainly can't save everybody. We can do everything right in our business and not save ourselves. But we should never, never count ourselves out as the last hope. You know, and, and that's, that's my greatest concern. We are telling people to close their doors. Uh, the message is already out there. It's one of the most viral public safety messages I've ever seen. One, because it's so visual, the difference between an open door and a closed door. We, that train is already going down the tracks. If we don't accept the fact that, that they are in those rooms and waiting for us, then uh, we are telling people that not to place their hope in us. We are telling people that our organizations are false sense of security. And I think with that, we absolutely destroy the social contract we've made with our society as being protectors. And, and that brings me great concern. Well, let me ask you point blank then. Do you believe that some departments are doing that? They're destroying that social contract by, by diminishing people's faith in the fire department to help them? No, I, 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 I think anybody who's gotten into the fire service came to this profession to, to serve. Let's really, let's slow down, take a step back and, and consider that there may be a potential contradiction here. You know, let's, let's look at what the message is going out to the community, what we're, what we're telling people about flow paths and cooling fires, and let's look for the, the constant themes and the things that we can share. I mean, if we're telling them to close doors, then we need to tell our firefighters to vent in our search. We have to have the message match the mission. If we're telling people to close doors and we're telling firefighters not to vent in our search, then, then there's conflict there. And uh, I don't think any fire departments are intentionally, um, intentionally voiding that social contract. I think, though, that we do run the risk of that, and we do run the risk of having policies that don't match uh, community messages, and we're only one incident away from that being uh, called out in, in front of us. So with our preventative mindset, is there a potential for us to reevaluate our, our policies, procedures, and trainings in comparison to what the public is hearing and what our victims are, are experiencing and, and make sure that those two are in line? All right, Brian Brush, thanks for talking with me today on Code 3. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. And we put some more information on whether victims should expect firefighters to find them on our website at code3podcast.com slash B-E-S. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. The doorway used for access of the initial attack line may be the first ventilation opening to which the fire has access. That's why it's a good idea for the team to do what after they open the door? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. 
Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the bull sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today. Support the show and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. Here's your trivia answer. The doorway used for access of the initial attack line may be the first ventilation opening to which the fire has access. That's why it's a good idea for the team to pause briefly to allow the pressurized products of combustion to diminish. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.